literally like a bunch of noodles in our brain and we're trying to organize the noodles. And sometimes yes. the noodles don't get organized and they just jump out of the bowl. So I it's get so it. Rude. <laughs> it's so stay rude. Put noodles. Stay put noodles. Stay uh, put and organize yourself. And the craziest, <laughs> the craziest part of that experience is it, oftentimes I feel so jumbled. I mean, so jumbled with all of these threads, all of these noodles. And then one day, randomly, there's no reason, no rhyme or reason, but one day randomly, the noodles will just be like laying in the box straight next to each other. And I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Has this been here the whole time? What's going on? Now I know what I'm supposed to do. Hey, hi, hello, Angelia here. And I'm Alexis. And this is Before the Prologue. Well, hi, Alexis. Well, hi, Angelia. How are you feeling about interviewing Mariel Pomeroy today? I am so excited. She is one of the first bookish community, or blah, 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 blah. I can't talk today. She's one of the first, like, bookish voices I really got to connect with on the Bookstagram community. I think some of my first, like, collaboration reels and things like that were with her. So I am very excited. It feels like I'm just getting to sit and have coffee with an old friend. So I'm pumped. How are you feeling? Because I know she impacted your writing career. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling a little bit sweaty, but in a great way. I am. <laughs> I Fun fact, this is why we're laughing. If you don't know Alexis, <laughs> Alexis, when she sweats, it smells like pancake syrup. Okay. So anytime she says she's sweaty, I laugh because all I think is pancake sweat, <laughs> syrup sweat. <laughs> and it's super obnoxiously <laughs> sweet right now because I am quite sweaty. <laughs> so it's like it's this room so probably just smells like maple. spewing out maple syrup when she sweats. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's Yep. And why do I always bring it up, too? I don't know. There's just no filter. <laughs> There's no filter. If I'm sweaty, I feel like I have to let everyone know I'm sweaty. Um, anyway, I'm feeling very excited in the Good. sweatiest of ways, and I cannot wait to... I haven't had as much interaction with her as you have, but the interactions I have, have but the interactions I have had have always been so encouraging and supportive and left me feeling like she is a complete safe space. So I'm excited for us and our listeners to get to be invited into that safe space today. Why don't you read us a little bit about her um, so our listeners can get an insider look into who um, Merce is, which her name is not Merce. That's just what people in the bookish community call her. Alexis, what is her real name? Mariel Pomeroy. Mariel Pomeroy is an international and Amazon best-selling author who was raised in Switzerland. She now lives in Colorado with her partner and two dogs. When she's not stuck in her own head, she watches her favorite comfort horror movies and goes for recreational drives with the aim to get herself completely lost. She's a big advocate of normalizing mental health, and even her stories, steeped in high fantasy, will reflect that as much as possible. As Alexa said, Mariel is an international and Amazon best-selling author. She is the author of Hellfire, her debut novel. Angelia, tell us more about this debut novel. Oh, I would love to. I would love to. After the death of her mother, Ahea finds herself stained by more blood than she can hide in the perpetual daylight of her home of Keliseros. Her desperate search for asylum leads her to the doorstep of the only place out of her abusive family's reach, a realm that deals in death and darkness unapologetically, Alhira. But nothing in this world is free, and to buy her way to dubious safety, she's forced to give up the only thing that she has left to barter, her soul. Mm, it sounds... Like it's going to be a fantasy bumpy ride. And how could, that's the highest of stakes. Your, st your soul is that, at stake. Yeah, like there is no, that's, there is no greater stake. <laughs> so that is all about her debut novel, Hellfire. But she is actively currently working on her, actively currently, people don't say that. They both mean the same thing. She is currently working on the sequel to Hellfire and it is called, drum roll, ben -a -ben -a -ben -a -ben -a -ben, it is called Honey. And if you read Hellfire, then you know it ends on a cliffhanger. So she's working on resolving that cliffhanger. But if I know Merce, she's going to end book two on another cliffhanger. So that will be fun. Hello, how are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? It's been like a hot minute. It has been a hot, hot minute. And you're knee deep in writing. Alexis, you're knee deep in writing and querying. I'm knee deep in writing. It's been a hot minute for all of us. 
I'm excited to have you because I've, I've never actually gotten to talk to you face to face. Just like a couple times I slid into your DM. I know, which uh, I love. It's been a minute actually since I've talked to anyone very steadily because I'm in such a writing hole. So I was like, oh, this is so fun. I get to talk to people. <laughs> what a time. <laughs> How are edits and writing for Honey coming along? And Honey, if you're listening, is book two in her Hellfire series. Does the series have an actual name or is it just book two of Hellfire? How are you wording that? It is. Uh, it's the Agia Santos series, um, but it is the second book. It's a sequel out of who knows how many. I sure don't. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so no, we're, uh, we're deep in it really good. I think, you know, you think, and then you read some of it and you're like, well, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Um, no, it's going, it's going well. I have another about 21 days to do kind of everything that I want to do before uh, my editor gets her hands on it and really tears it apart. And, um, and I think I've outlined everything the way I want it to. Um, I have about, you know, a few chapters a day to get through. And if my brain wants to let me, then we should be good. But as you guys know, creatively, it just depends on if it feels like letting you. Yeah, that's the truth. (laughs) And I feel like I read somewhere, I could be wrong. Are you a neurodivergent writer? Yeah, absolutely. Me too. So when we get (laughs) stuff done, it's it's literally like a bunch of noodles in our brain and we're trying to organize the noodles. And sometimes the noodles don't get organized and they just jump out of the bowl. So I get it. It's so rude. It's so rude. Stay put noodles. Um, Stay put and organize yourself. And the craziest, <laughs> the craziest part of that experience is if, oftentimes I feel so jumbled. I mean, so jumbled with all of these threads, all of these noodles. And then one day, randomly, there's no reason, no rhyme or reason, but one day randomly, the noodles will just be like laying in the box straight next to each other. And I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Has this been here the whole time? What's going on? Now I know what I'm supposed to do. Like out of nowhere. And, uh, and I'm like, wow. So that was like four months of confused noodles. And then one day for no reason, no rhyme or reason, nothing has changed, but I woke up and I was like, that's where the noodles go. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the noodles go. Yeah. No, absolutely. Is Taylor your editor for honey? She is. She is. Yep. She's a queen. If there ever was, she is so good. This is not a podcast all about Taylor, but we're going (laughs) to highlight her for a second. She is such a good editor with neurodivergent writers. I have to say, she manages to find our noodles and also help them make a little more sense. She does. She's lovely. And she's just, uh, she's she's the most, I think, um, analytical, creative person that I know, which is incredible. And I think it's such an important quality in an editor. And I haven't seen that all that often because she's truly like, if I didn't know about her, I'd be like, oh, you're. I don't know if you're creative. I don't know if you're in science. I can't, I can't tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Because she just has that personality. And it's so important, I think, especially for us to have someone like that in our corner because it's already such chaos. We need someone who who is grounded. And she's been lovely with that and just really calm and patient because I am continuously chaotic and freaking out about things. She's like, okay, yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I love that. I love that you have someone like that in your corner as you write book two, which writing one book is an accomplishment, let alone writing a sequel to that book where you have to remember things that happened in that book and then set up things to happen in another book. That's a lot. So good for you. I applaud you for that. It's great. Yeah, thank you. Um, I I don't know if I've mastered it by any means, but I know you've, you've finished your second too, right? You're on your third? I finished my second. It's not a sequel to the first one I wrote though. It's a, it's okay. a standalone, just kind of like... A different genre. No, the thought of writing a second, a sequel <laughs> to the first book I wrote is out of my mind completely right now. We'll there. She says, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a moment. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, sequels, they're a whole new, uh, new beast. And I didn't quite realize because Hellfire wasn't supposed to be, it was supposed to be a standalone until I kind of got towards the end and realized it absolutely wasn't. And so I didn't set up the series at all to be a series, which I think is why Honey has taken me so long because the first book was not set up in any kind of a way to have any more happen. And so I'm I'm writing the sequel thinking, okay, well, what is our end goal? Like, what is happening at the end of this? Like, what is our overall arc for the world, for the story, for the characters? And so I think, I don't know if the next ones will come any easier, to be honest. I've, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, sequels are a little bit easier for them now because they understand the world more. But to me, it feels like 
I'm continuously learning more and some of it's really clarifying and some of it's really confusing and um, being neurodivergent, my focus and my aim changes very frequently as well. So um, I don't know if the next one will be any easier, but at least it's kind of set up more for a series where the first one I pr- probably was was begging to be ended there until I said, nope, we're going to keep going. <laughs> we're going to do more with you. <laughs> That's fascinating to hear because I haven't written a sequel yet either. So it's, I haven't even thought about the complexities of (laughs) trying to incorporate the, any little loose ends from book one and figuring out which one of those need to be tied up in book two and which ones can continue to be loose until whatever end is in sight. Absolutely. And that's so big as well, because if, if, if your sequel is, if it's not a duology and you have more, then you're like, okay, so we got to tie up some ends, but then we've got to plant new ends. And I think that's been a big part of my thing is like, how many ends can we have? Because we have a lot of them. Should we tie some more up? I feel like it's getting confusing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But I'm a fan of loose ends because when it all wraps up in a nice little bow, for some reason, that's dissatisfying to me. Yeah. So when there's just a couple loose ends, there's like there's room for creativity and interpretation and wonder. Yes. And thank goodness there are people out there like, yeah, because <laughs> you're going to need to like loose ends to read my books. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm excited because I've, I've read Hellfire, just so you know. And <laughs> and I I am delighted to read book two as soon as it is available. And to see which one, which which of my questions get answered and which ones don't. <laughs> I had a dream. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. I need you to clarify for me. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I didn't. had a dream. Was it a dream or was this real life? It was not real life. I had a dream last night, Merce, that hell or honey was set 10 years after the cliffhanger of Hellfire. Is that true or is that a dream? That's a dream. No, no, absolutely. Thank not. God. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I I woke up and realized I had that dream and I thought, oh my gosh, how's she going to do that? She can do it. But where? I don't know. I need to know that the cliffhanger, you can't leave us 10 years into the future. So no, I'm glad that no, was a dream. Absolutely not. I don't even, I don't know how it, it'd be pretty, it'd be devastating. I think for me too, writing it to be, okay, so 10 years later, <laughs> 10 years later, <laughs> We do, oh, okay. we, the, the beginning of the next one, um, we pretty much, we uh, pick up where we left off, which um, some people are going to really like, and some people not so much because it's once again, uh, you know, you pick up right back into the action, which I did with the first one too. And I don't really see myself varying off or vying off in that path a whole lot in the future. I really like starting things kind of in the middle of something. And that probably speaks to who I am as a person as well, but um the, yeah, the second one will pick up pretty much where we ended. That's really good to know. I'm actually really happy about that because I felt, yeah, I like to, I like it when it starts in the action, and that was some good action. So Thank I want to, want to pick right back up. <laughs> so I'm going to try to veer us back in time with a portal. We're talking sequels, but let's talk prequels, and let's talk your prequel. <laughs> Love it. That was you, good. You, thank you, thank you. wasn't Wasn't my worst. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> so what were you like back in the day when you were a little peanut? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I, I grew up in Switzerland, so I was there until about, I want to say 13 or 14 years old. When I moved here, I started eighth grade, but I was like a year. Oh my God. I think I was a year ahead. That's what it was. Cause I was on a, like a June birthday. So it was like either you're behind or you're ahead. So I think I was a year ahead. I want to say. Um, and so I started eighth grade when I moved here, but up until then I lived in Switzerland and, um, that that's where my mom still lives now. And I still have family and friends back there as well. And then my dad and stepmom and my siblings, they live in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> okay. So growing up in Switzerland, what was that like for you? How were how would your friends describe you back then? That's a great question. I um I am not sure. It's probably like I am now, but a lot more oblivious. I think I my childhood. It's it's kind of a bumpy road, a bumpy story. Uh, 
the bi- the biggest reason I left Switzerland was because of my mother. She was um, she's a very bad alcoholic, and so that was a lot of my childhood. And um, I think that, and I've been realizing this here very recently, um, as I've been digging. You know, writing a book really forces you to look at a lot of things. <laughs> It always says it it like, and it bears like things you thought you had figured out or trauma you thought you had already moved past. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why when I wrote Hellfire, I, it affected me so much because it it was like pointing out things I didn't even think were an issue anymore. And I was like, oh, okay, well, (laughs) it seems that you are still an issue. So that's really fun. (laughs) And um, so uh, I'm forgetting. Oh, I just lose. I lost the noodle there for a second. But um, but the biggest reason I left was uh, was my mom. And I think that's where a lot of like reading was born as well. Uh, it, there was a big part of that escapism for me back living in Switzerland and at home. I mean, oh, there there I got the thread again. Hold on. There it is. That's what I meant with it. Um, <laughs> this podcast podcast is going to be chaos for you guys as in the editing stage. I'm so Love sorry. It. <laughs> Love it. It's divine chaos. Divine chaos. We hope uh, that's going to be the the catchphrase of all my books. If you're happy with divine <laughs> chaos, there you go. Um, but yeah, I think you you work through a lot of trauma in your writing. And what I realized about myself, and I didn't know uh, when I was younger, was that I I think I had a lot of um, you know my brain kind of stepped in and was like, we're gonna we're gonna keep her safe, and to do that, yeah. we're gonna kind of uh, it's not gonna be so aware. <laughs> of things yeah and I realized that because I have such like blanket blackouts in my memory where I'm like I don't know what went on from age of this to this or you know I don't remember this time in my life whatsoever and I was really digging into that recently because I was like that's weird like because I know you know you don't remember everything but you do remember and I have a very hard time sometimes remembering and I think you know a lot of my childhood was that you know I, I remember very specific things big plot points if you will big plot points and then the fillers those are static and I realized that that was very much like a trauma response and my brain being like oh we're gonna keep her safe we're gonna just she's not gonna know she's not gonna be aware and so it's been a lot of dismantling that and stepping back into awareness which has been the hardest part ever because it takes so much energy and a presence to do so and so that was <laughs> that was that was a lot of my childhood. And again, at the time, I you know it was fine, and I was fine, and I didn't realize, which was lovely. The oblivion part of it was a good thing because I didn't realize how bad the situations all were. But looking back, I'm like, wow, goodness gracious! But we're here. Look at that. We are here. <laughs> yeah, you survived. We're here. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. And it's not a negative experience to talk about. It's actually quite fascinating to go back into. And, you know, I always thought I was a person that, you know, I I always thought I was a person that wasn't so affected by my childhood, now realizing that I definitely was and who I am now largely was hinging on that. And it's been a lot of calibration. It's been a lot of like getting my hands dirty and changing those things about myself. But um but yeah, Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland itself, absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, I, I'm happy I moved when I did. And that all is a great experience. But I do miss Europe all the time. And we go back whenever I can, whenever we can. And we have friends back there still and stuff like that. I love that. You mentioned that um, that that is around the time when you moved is when books really kind of started, when you became a little bit more aware of the stuff that was going on in your home life. And uh, Alexis and I both, not to speak for you, Alexis, but we both come from pretty pretty hard home lives. Um, So we also remember in gaps of our childhood. So we definitely see you in that. Um, But one thing I feel like all of us tend to remember, and you kind of alluded to this, uh, Merce, you said uh, that's when books kind of started for you. Do you remember at all any kind of books that you were drawn to in your youth or in that period or any genre or anything like that? I am. I know we used to have books. Uh, the first part of this is a little sad. So I remember um, my because my my dad and my stepmom they used to visit randomly to, to come see me, and um, you know every few years they would come and see me there. And um, they of course didn't know everything that was happening. My dad and my stepmom very good people, but my mom's also very good. She's very much a narcissistic masquerade, and she's like very good at all that. 
So when mm-hmm. they would come to visit or when anyone would come to visit, um, life was great, right? And, but that I remember, or I don't remember, they told me that one time when they came to visit, they were just, I was really young still, but they were like appalled. They were like, there's no books here. Like Mariel doesn't have books. Like what in the world? Like the child needs books, children need books. And I, I, I don't remember any, you know, a, a shift in that, but I do remember as a child having a lot of them. And um, we used to read like the magic tree house together and things like that all the time. It was in, in Swit or in German, but uh, <laughs> we would read the magic tree house. And I remember for like a short period of time, um, a few years, uh, my mother did make an effort to like sit down and we would like read a certain amount every night. And like, I would read the books out loud. Um, but that is not quite what that's like the, the first little, the first little insight into books that I had. However, like, I remember when I first picked up a book by my like own volition and was like, wow, this is so much fun. I really enjoyed this. And it was, it was after I had seen Twilight (laughs) for the first time, (laughs) right after that. (laughs) So I had, we went to see Twilight and I don't remember exactly how old I was, but it had to have been like 12 or 13 or something. And I loved it. And I was like, obviously we're all like, I was like team Edward and I was, I was so excited. I was like, this is incredible. Yes, you were. <laughs> That's the correct we answer. Kicked, we would have kicked you off. <laughs> it's like, who, what's this wolf boy doing? Like, no, thank you. Like, no, thank you. Team Edward all no. the way. He sparkles. I don't know what to tell you. If you don't know why I'm not, I can't explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. That was I the right answer. I am with you. Um, and so I had seen that and, but it was, you know, it went past, uh, the well for that I think that was the first time I was like oh paranormal creatures that's something at a, at the time I didn't know what that meant but I do now and um but past that I was just like so uh enticed by the fact that someone could just like create a world like that and it was set in our world right so it wasn't like that crazy and that out there but at the same time I was like wow she just she made all this from scratch and then I also saw people loving it. You know, I saw people loving this world that she had created. I was like, something about that is absolute crack to me. And I need to figure out what that is. And so I got, I got the book and I, I want to say that is where I started reading and it's been kind of an off and on journey, but like, I want to say that was my first, my first read that I was really excited about. That's Twilight. I love that. And uh, everything was, uh, everything was kind of born in Twilight as well. Uh, Twilight, it kind of, it started a lot of things, not just reading, but writing as well. Cause at the time I was in Switzerland and I had learned how to write in, in German. And, um, I was lucky enough to have a few friends that also somehow got into reading and writing around the same time. And we would, we would hang out and have like sleepovers and we would be like, okay, well, should we, should we write something? Like, I don't know why, but should we do it? Like, let's be crazy. Should we write something? And it would be, it would be silly. Like, let's write a kiss scene. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's not come off. Like, let's write a kiss scene. And then like, we'll read it to each other. And it was, you know, in German. And I was like, wow, this is horrible. <laughs> like, this just sounds bad, like no shade, but it is not a pretty language. And, um, and pretty much immediately I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to write any kind of way, it's going to be in English. And I could speak it at the time because my dad and, and everyone who lived here, uh, but I could not write it. So I, uh, sort of taught myself to, to write in English and, uh, that's when writing started as well. So Twilight really <laughs> did a lot, <laughs> did a lot. Thanks, Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) Like looking back, if I didn't have to dig into my past so much, I would have been like, yeah, I don't know exactly where it started. But I do think it was Twilight. Like that's where the convergence happened. That's that's amazing. And it's so funny how Twilight keeps becoming like this thread throughout our podcast. Is it really? It is. It is. It's like this bonding force for all of us. I love that. I have my my copy. Like I have it. It's somewhere around me. I have a copy. And it's just because when the first time I went up to Washington, I was like, well, it feels like sacrilege to not bring a Twilight with me just to have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Even if you didn't love it, you almost have to have one on your shelf because I feel like at least for our generation, we're all, Muriel, you just, Muriel, I'm having, I'm trying to combine Merce with 
Muriel. Yeah. It's I becoming guess. Muriel. But like <laughs> our age is, is so similar. Like I feel like you we all have this in some mm-hmm. capacity. <laughs> it's yeah. a weird, it's a weird classic. We don't want to admit it, but boy oh boy, it does I mean everyone knows yeah. about it. It is. Yes. It is. And the only the only reason I get irritated at Twilight is because it spawned fifty shades and <laughs> Oh, <laughs> And that is the, that is the only reason, the only thief. I mean, the books themselves, if you read them now, you'll read stuff and you'll go, Ex- excuse me, I'm sorry, what now? What do we think was normal at the time? No, there's no way. And mind you, I haven't read it in a very long time, but I have seen, like, I feel like there's been a random upkick again recently with Twilight and I've seen people like reread and, um, and they'll highlight things. And I'm like, oh, was that? part of it I didn't remember that but <laughs> that is a very odd sentence um but yes besides besides all of that the only thing is 50 shades and um that just you know no general shade and we love all authors but boy boy that that those books those movies something else I never read or watched them I'll be honest I uh, yeah. I didn't yeah I, I was so excited I, I was like oh my gosh this is like this is so out there this is so out there. <laughs> is it? Well, that's what I, I thought. Add it to my TBR. Well, that's what you thought at the time. It's not the compared time. to what you've read now. No, and it's very. Um, I don't know. It, it feels kind of like a disservice to like the act, the king community itself. Like just comparatively to what we have now, especially in the indie pool, comparing that to like Fifty Shades, it's almost upsetting because you're like, wow, like these are so incredible and so researched and. Um, Fifty Shades just feels, it feels like someone who just felt like writing about BDSM, but didn't know anything about it. And there's, there's a, there's a lot of facets, but it's not, it's not the best representation. And it seems, it seems that oftentimes those get picked up and blown up and normalized, not normalized, but you know what I mean? Like they just widespread. They're like, no, there's so many other really good examples or really good books or, and I'm like, how does it happen? How does, how does this one thing get so fixated on and taken? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's curious. No, it's not, it's not horrible, of course, but it's just comparatively, if I compare it to what we have now, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I get, that makes sense. I get that. You mentioned something and I can't get this out of my brain. So you taught yourself how to write English in your mid teens. Yeah. Yeah. Around um, like yeah, 13. That is wild to me because <laughs> like uh, maybe a little over a decade later, you have a published novel and you've written a second. I'm, I want to know how that happened. Did you start with short stories? What was that journey like of teaching yourself to write in English? That's a great question. Um, it's, it's a very odd thing to even say out loud saying that I taught myself to write it because I don't remember doing it if that makes sense it's kind of like a I remember not knowing how and then I remember knowing how but until I got to eighth grade when I moved here I never had an English class um period and so I was was actually thinking about this the other day and I was talking to my friend Cara and I was like it feels very odd because I I just decided I was going to do it and then I remember eventually being able to do it it has to be some sort of there ha- it has to be somewhat intuitive I imagine because I knew how to write and I knew mm-hmm. letters and I knew the English letters the alphabet so I feel like I was you know it was a, a little bit easier in that sense because I knew what in, in theory what they the words had to be and maybe what they had to sound like even if I wasn't spelling them right I'm sure I was a mess spelling I'm a mess spelling now to be honest <laughs> My editor has her word cut out for her because I'm like, I don't know what the rules are, but we're going to put this here. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Um, and so I don't remember exactly. I It was a lot of getting what was just floating around in my brain on the paper. And I don't know, you know, I don't even know if it was legible half the time, but I just kept doing more of that and reading more. And I would rarely pick up a book in German anymore I'd be like in this tiny English section we had at the bookstore and I would go there and and find books and it was like fear street like those really like not super scary but kind of scary yeah some of my favorites I love the fear street series yes I picked up some fear streets and some things like that and uh it would just be a lot of I think it was just a lot of reading and a lot of you know chameleoning a lot of mimicking at first 
uh, a lot of taking others author other authors' voices and learning off of that. Um, it was a lot of not short stories from finish to end, which I, I'm now seeing that as a whole trend. I struggled to finish something, like to really truly give it a hard line end. I struggle with that. I think I always have. Um, but it would just be like scenes. And that's how I write now to neurodivergent and fully pantsing my way through my life. It's just whatever scene is there and loud. And sometimes I don't even know if it belongs to the book I'm writing, but like it, I have to believe it's there for a reason. And so I th- I think that's kind of like how it got started. But yeah, I had a I had a big gap year. Hold on, let me swipe. I had a big, I had a big gap year um when high school started because you you start having to read and write academically and it took all the fun out of that for me I was so exhausted I was like nope you know I'm done now and what that means for me is I'm gonna go watch tv like at all times like I was so tired of it I uh that I didn't really um yeah I think I mean I set it down from the beginning of high school pretty much through college and um I mean you know for fun of course I was reading and writing for for all of the academics I had to do, but I, um, that's about where it ended. And so I had a huge hiatus in the middle. So somewhere along the lines, I, I picked up reading and writing, um, in German. I smoothed it out, decided it was going to need to be English because I just enjoyed, uh, that language more. I felt it was more poetic. <laughs> and, um, then I moved here. And when I was actually getting like, formally trained finally on how to write and what's correct I started not doing it anymore and then there was a gap between that and about two years ago when uh you know we were at the height of the pandemic I think or sort of in the middle of it and I don't exactly remember what it was I've been I had been getting more like bookstagram content and I'm not sure where it came from I don't know where it came from but I think I was getting more bookstagram content I was like oh man books I used to like that didn't I like I used to you forget sometimes you you move on do other things and I truly came back thinking I used to really like that hold on what part of my life did I just forget I used to love that and I remember the first uh the first book that I ordered um was from Blood and Ash, and I knew nothing about it. I just had seen it places. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but this looks like fun. So I ordered it, and then it sat there forever. I was like, I feel like if I if I open this, it's going to do something. And so I had this fear of it. And so from Blood and Ash, was just was sitting on my mantle for a solid few months. And then I was like, okay, what is the point of this? Why are we Why are we <laughs> looking at this book? What is What is this interaction? What is happening? And uh, eventually I opened it and then I blacked out and and now we're here. (laughs) And then I blacked out. I love that. I love that you had a book that kind of helped spark the, I don't want to say the inspiration, but helped trigger something in your brain to help you remember that you love this so much. Because if that didn't happen, we probably wouldn't have Hellfire or Honey, you know? Probably not. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be here. I, you know, and thinking back now, I could tell you why I was wanting to write. I was wanting to be an author but if you had asked me two years ago I wouldn't have remembered that which is so crazy like to think about that I wouldn't someone asked me what I wanted to do I would have had no idea like I would have well I I probably would have said photography at the time because I was doing that and I I do love that and I love that then as well and I, I finally found the link between photography and writing and why both of them like pickle my brain the same way but until I picked up that book, I forgot that's a part of my life. I was like, oh my God, I used to love this. Where did, where did that go? Where did I file that? And, um, and it all came back and I was like, I used to really want to do this. And that's when I, again, COVID was, was at its height. And I was like, well, what, what's the worst that can happen if I try this, if I do this? Um, if I try something on my own, like no one even knows I'm writing, it doesn't matter. You know, if I fail, I fail. If it fails, it fails. It's fine. Um, what would it hurt? And I tend to, if I put my mind to something seriously, it I tend to follow through in some way or another. And and now and now I've put myself on a track and I cannot stop. So. <laughs> yep. So now I'm we're locked here. In. I'm locked in. And from Blood and Ash, I. I loved that book. I I, th- I really enjoyed uh, Jayla's writing. Um, hold on. Yes. 
sorry, I had a whole moment. Um, I really enjoyed her writing style. And I think that it was very faded that I picked up that book because I think if I had picked up another where the the actual voice of the author hadn't spoken to me as much, I'm not sure if it all would have gone the same direction because it, that that's the most exciting part for me with books is the author's voice. I mean, the stories are great and I love that, but I also love like meeting new people, new authors and new voices. Yeah. That's one of the things, one of the three biggest takeaways when I read Hellfire was your voice your emotion infused with the imagery oh the imagery yeah I was the, waiting for you to say that I knew the imagery yeah. so I can tell you were a photographer because the way you describe oh, the imagery absolutely it has a personality of its own you guys are so sweet it's so, that's incredible that's really sweet I every time someone tells me that and at this point it's happened a few times which makes me think I'm not insane uh but every time someone does, I'm like, I'm so glad because it's all black up here. Like, I can't see anything at all. You know, like, I don't I don't see a movie trailer playing when I'm reading. I don't I can't imagine things. It's black static. And uh, so that feels that feels good. I when I was talking to um, I don't know if you guys know uh, Marla Locker, but she wrote The Lazarus Um I was talking to her about honey and she was like, well, what do you think, you know, your strengths are when it comes to writing? And I was like, oh, I think it's, I think where I'm pretty strong is like my internal thought processes. And she's like, I mean, yes, I love them, but I definitely think that it's more like your external motions and um, actions. And I was like, oh my goodness gracious, that is so great to hear. <laughs> Cause I can't, again, it's not something I can imagine or see or picture. And so it's a lot of inspiration pictures. It's a lot of studying um, videos and people and things like that, because I can't close my eyes and imagine it and see it happening. And so every time anyone speaks to imagery, that means a lot because it's, I'm glad you can see it because I can't. <laughs> There's oh, this yeah. one scene that you described. I'm not even going to try and remember what the words were because I don't remember. I read it as an arc, um, Hellfire, and I've not been able to read it since, but I'm going to in preparation. for I did. It was my first, it's my first ever arc, I think. <laughs> I remember. But there's. I remember because you made a reel and I was like, oh we my made God. the funnest reel. She made a whole we reel. We did. We had a fun reel. But <laughs> there was this scene that you described and it was, gosh, it, it's like the spot in the underground world where creepy, creepy sis cat lives and there's like dead bodies and skulls and like something. You know, are you catching what I'm talking about? Because I don't remember the name of the place. It's uh, it's Gehenna. Thank you. Yes, I remember reading that. You, I think you described in Hellfire at least three, two to three times, like different scenes in that particular area. And I, I do see a movie reel. Alexis does too in my head when I read a book. And I could very clearly, even now, I could close my eyes and visualize the scene that you wrote and the oh place that you created. And it is hauntingly beautiful and terrifying and yeah that is definitely one of your strong strong gifts as a writer is imagery and descriptions and details and oh it was so good it was so good yeah no thank you that absolutely means the world <laughs> so just to kind of go back a little bit to like childhood and stuff and this is kind of yeah. a broad question so like take your time answering it but, uh, and you kind of alluded to it, but maybe we could get into it a little bit more specific. How, your childhood, it sounds like it had some really beautiful moments, as many childhoods do, but it also had some really hard moments and it had some trauma and it had some grief and moments of not remembering things because of the trauma and grief. So I guess my question would be like, how do you think your childhood and like the way you were raised and the things that you can remember, how do you think that has impacted where you are today or where you want to be in the future? I think that it show. I've been trying to do a lot of, uh, I've been on the hunt for silver linings, if you will. And uh, because a lot of my life was definitely spent in the negative and being very angry, even if I didn't know that I was angry and dealing with a lot of negativity and negative emotions. And so I've been in, on the hunt for silver linings. And I think that it really is one of those things where every single thing that happened in the way that it did brought me where I am right now in this moment. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know if I would have as much emotional material, if you will, um, to actually 
to to use in my stories. Um, and and that's a, a double-edged sword as well, because I'm actually a very, uh, I'm not a very emotional person. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I'm not, I'm not a very emotional person, period. I have a very hard time feeling things. And I also realized, I was like, oh, maybe that's just who I am. But I realized recently that that is also um, a trauma response. And, um, you know, you talk a, a lot about walls around the heart but for me what it looks like is you've got my heart you have a wall you have me and then you have another wall so I've always as a person not felt things very deeply sometimes but not as much as other people and it's definitely a self-inflicted situation uh so it's been a little bit like you know you know someone's knocking on a glass pane and you can kind of hear that but you don't really know what they're saying or 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 that you can hear them yelling kind of but not really and so i've i know that that comes again just that was a safety that i created and so it's it's been and then and i think that's another reason writing hellfire like affected me the way it did because i was working with characters with big emotions and it's no different in Honey. They have big emotions and they feel things. And Ahea has been really great to work with because she's a lot more like me, which is something I didn't realize when I was writing it either. Uh, and she definitely struggles with that as well. But besides her, everyone else has big emotions. And so I had to figure out how to dip into that more. And um, And that's not something I was taught in childhood and I had to go back and teach myself. But... Um, once I finally started doing that, there was a lot to work with because I had overcome a lot of odd experiences that I can now put an emotion to and understand like how it would feel like some others might not know how it would feel to, you know, be on their own for, for days on end as a child, you know what I mean? And I know, and I never attributed an emotion to that. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, that's what happened. It didn't feel particularly horrifying or good of course um at the time but now going back I can process how that felt and I can like work that in to my writing and what that might feel like to someone I was able to dull it a lot because that was my safety but now breaking that down I can go back and really feel what how it felt which again was why hellfire was complicated because I had to learn how to do that without hurting myself you know, because I, I had never done that before. And I had just, I had uh, marked it off in my folder and moved on and told myself I was over it all and everything was fine. And I'm finally in a place where I do feel like that, but I had to learn what it means to just go back and visit it versus going back and staying there. So, wow, that was, <laughs> that was a long answer. Um, but that that's That's part of what Unfortunately, what the bumpy parts of my childhood gave me, it gave me a lot of demons to work with. And I learned that they're very big demons and very loud demons, but they have things to say. And that I, th I think that a lot of people share those demons and they can't always talk about them, understand them, or maybe don't even know they're there. And so my aim has always been hopefully being able to put something in words that you're feeling but don't quite understand. I think that is probably why you're an international and Amazon bestselling author <laughs> because you are a safe space and you are such an advocate and it's it's like so clear in your books and in the content you share you're such an advocate for normalizing mental health and that is huge and you know the sad part of that is that it does come out of your childhood but it's also it's just so amazing even for someone you know for for Alexis and I who both struggle as well with mental health it's so nice to see a voice, a very prominent voice in the bookish community, helping to normalize the stigma with mental health. And it is 2023. Why is there a stigma? Can we not? <laughs> Can we not? That's so sweet. I think, I think that if you really look at it, it's probably less normal, quote unquote normal, um, to be neurotypical now than to be neurodivergent or have, have any kind of um, neurospicy in your brain and everyone's degree varies, of course, but it only makes sense too if you're if you're looking at our history. We've only been living the way we're living now for about one percent of the existence of like humankind, and we're just expected to like to uh, to calibrate immediately. Like we used to be hunters and gatherers, so we were really hyper aware of different things. 
different things were important. And those, I think, are traits you see in a lot of like neurodivergent, neurospicy. And it's not necessary now. We don't need the same um, traits or abilities or we don't rely on them as heavily. Um, but they just they haven't been, I guess, bred out, <laughs> if you'd say, you know, like they have they, we haven't gone through enough generations to cycle them out, just like some of us still have extra teeth that we don't need anymore. And so the fact that like, or no, what I was going to say was, um, so I, th I think as a whole, there's probably less neurotypical than neurospicy, but oftentimes we just don't know. And I didn't, I didn't know like that a lot of like the little weirdnesses that I had, there was like a reason for them or that they could be attributed to something else. Um, that they were more like an effect of a cause. Like I had, I had no idea for the longest of time. And I think we're in a really good generation now. Um, Angelia, I know you're a mom. Like, I'm not sure if you're a mom too. I am. Yeah, mom, you guys, great, great generation to to grow up in and such hyper aware parents, like so lucky to be your kids, honestly. Um, but we didn't grow up in that. Uh, a lot of us didn't at least. And mental health was still like either an issue or you're just not again, quote unquote, normal. And now, I mean, that's, that's the number one subject it feels like, or it should be. Um, and it, it's not feared away or shied away from like it was before. And it's very much being normalized and always oh, should have been, but it seems it takes us a very long time to get to that point as a race, as human beings. And I think we're, we're living in a good, good era for that. And we're finally like, coming around to understanding that not everyone, there is not a one size fits all when it comes to brains. And that's exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. It is exciting. And I think that everything you just said is giving concrete to what Angelia said about you being this safe space and creating this community with your online presence, but also in your books. This idea to me, I feel like and I could be wrong and I could be projecting, but it feels like for quite like literally decades, we've subconsciously associated mental health and mental illness with villains. And those with mental illnesses typically can often play the villain role, right? And one of the things when I read Hellfire and when I see you online, I feel like we're taking away good versus bad. We're taking away pureness versus evil. And I'm just seeing the humanity of it and removing this idea that just because you've struggled or made your mental health has made things a little bit difficult and you might not have always made like the expected choice or decision, that doesn't make you the villain. And even if you have been the villain at moments, you're not pigeonholed into this box of villain. So. Absolutely. I, I think my least favorite thing about life is that there is um, a label for everything and that we're meant to label everything. And I was talking to this or uh, to my friend Paige about this yesterday, even when it comes to to sexuality, which is something that I had not looked into very deeply for myself because you know I was raised a certain way. I wasn't aware of a lot of things. And I'm very happily married. I'm in a very good space. And so I never thought about it. I was like, well, I well, I had never thought to label it because I was just like, well, I like what I like and I feel like that's fine. And, you know, I not until I was in the public eye and I had people going, well, you know, you will randomly make gay content. What is that? Is that fishing? Are you looking for followers? Like, you know, what is the reasoning here? And I go, well, oh, okay. I did not realize that that's how anything, first of all, was coming off. My my number one goal is always to, to create a safe space and to create inclusivity in any way that I can. But I was also like, okay, this is a fair question, even though it was really crass. Um, none of the reels I've ever made are a lie. You know, if I'm saying like, I'm really into the X, Y, and Z people, I am really into X, Y, and Z people. That's not for the benefit of anyone else. And so I was like, okay, so now that I am out there, I, I guess I need to sit down and I need to figure out exactly who I am so that I can, I don't know, I can give up, I don't know. I guess it was just to figure out exactly who I am. And so you have to give people a lot of insight into yourself, I think, when you get to this point. And um, 
And so I sat down and I was like, well, I like this. I like this. I like this. And then I went, I went online. I was like, what do all these things mean? And I ended up, you know, labeling myself and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm pan, but now I'm like, not so sure. I'm like, maybe it's more on the Demi side. So pan, but very much like, you know, Demi. And then, and then I'm like, but is that the right label? I don't know. And then I'm constantly nervous. I'm like, did I label myself right or wrong? And even though that's just like one example, I, I absolutely at the core of everything despise having to label anything because I think the whole human experience is something so incredibly fluid. And we oftentimes, I think, try to label something so that it doesn't, so that we can explain it, so that it's explainable. And sometimes things don't need to be explainable, or at least not to some people. And, you know, sometimes (laughs) magic is magic, even as science says, it's atoms rubbing together really quickly. And um, we we tend to want to explain away magic. And I don't know. I, I don't think it needs to be explained. I love that little childlike wonder, like that's still like in the recesses of your brain. I love that. And I think we need to hold yeah. on to that a little bit more. There's just, I'm serious. <laughs> there's something when you hold on to that little bit of childlikeness and keep your head in the clouds a little bit and live with a little bit, just a little bit of naivety. Cause there's also so much value in like being aware and being present in circumstances, obviously. But man, when you hold on to that, little bit it's very Peter Pan-esque it just it's so nice and you get to see the world in a different lens and it's a lens where you don't need to have labels yeah and it's a lens where my three-year-old can look at the sky and say the sky's blue because it's supposed to be blue mom you know and it's beautiful I love that exactly which so now let's just say that young Merce is asking Merce now a question and let's say the question is mm-hmm. you meet young Merce today what do you think she would say about where you are now um that is a great question you know I think I don't know her very well which is so funny to say it's very backwards and I think um you know I could I could say she's probably surprised our hair is purple right now (laughs) um she's probably surprised we're married because it was another thing we didn't expect and I think mostly because she never wanted kids and she thought you had to have kids if you got married and so that was never something we were going to do but alternatively how would she feel I don't know and I don't think I think it's because she never knew how she felt to begin with or how she was supposed to feel about anything um I don't know my young self very well and I was really I was, I mean, it's a sad thing, but I, I was excited to put, pour that into Ahea in these books and the second one, especially. And it's a weird thing because I don't think you ask a lot of people and they tell you they don't, they don't know who they are backwards. Um, But if I look back, I mean, she's a very different person from who I am now. What I have to believe, and I've, I heard this somewhere and I, I held on to it and I, I made it my whole I I put it really close to my heart was that the person you are now is most likely who you would have felt safe with when you were young. So I am hoping, I am hoping that that's what it would be. And I don't know what she would think as far as what I'm doing. Probably excited. I'd imagine she'd be excited about getting to tell stories for a living. But beyond that, I hope that she would just be safe and comfortable and so I don't know what she would think but I would at least hope that (laughs) I am confident based off of how I know you through the bookstagram community she would absolutely feel safe 100% no question (laughs) yeah oh so I want to respect your time because I think we might have gone a teeny tiny bit over and that's okay there's there's no hurry if you guys need to scoot all good but I'm here for however long you need me well I've got I've got one question but the so I'll ask the question first we ask this question of every guest and sometimes it can be a doozy so if you need to take a moment to think about it feel free but the question is if you could title the book of your life what would it be that is that is a question (laughs) Yes. Um, famously bad at titling books, but <laughs> I will do my best. 
Um, and also, how is that the hardest part sometimes? How are you like, well, I, I wrote the thing now. Because you have to <laughs> summarize to it in six to six or less words. How the flip are you going to do that? This is very so true. hard. The next series I write, mark my words, I'm just going to make it a whole sentence. <laughs> I'm going to throw everyone off. I'm going to make it a, I'm gonna make it a long, long title and confuse every, everyone. Um, it's, it's not an exciting title by any means, but I think what would really describe my life the best of the book would be uh, subject to change. Subject to change. Um, because if anything, if anything... I I've learned that nothing I ever do is concrete. All my or half the my opinions change, half my view changes, you know. And I think that's life anyway, as you learn and you grow and you change. You you reanalyze things and everything changes around you, but um nothing has ever stayed very concrete, which uh which is terrifying, but also really exciting because everything can shift from the negative to the positive, from the positive to the negative. And um you know, the, the valleys you're in now, sorry, <laughs> the valleys you're in now, um, they're not never ending and you'll, you'll find your mountain again. And I think that's what I would title it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is speaking to me. <laughs> that's, that's so good. That is so good. Uh, so this is, this is not on, this is not a planned thing but I would be remiss if I didn't say this you are the reason I started writing my first book really you are the reason oh I oh my god <laughs> that's so sweet I I was in a car accident and I had a concussion and I was lying in bed and I saw your profile and I was just like I just kept watching the things that you're putting out there and you made and I'd always loved writing little stories when I was younger um and I was written for funsies you know but I never thought I could actually write a book and between the like concussion hurting something inside of my brain and hearing what you were saying and putting out there I was like she could do it I could do it and so oh my god and I've written two books since then and so I feel like it's it's because of you and a concussion just like the merge of those you wrote two books that's incredible incredible you have two and that's incredible (laughs) that's amazing and that that's I mean that's the entire point of why I'm here so that's just incredible and I'm so proud of you wow two books two books (laughs) two completely different books (laughs) three percent three percent of the world writes a book and does something with it three percent I didn't know. That. And, I, and I don't mean like does something with, with it as in like gets traditionally published, but like indie, anything, 3% finishes a book. And you, you're part of that 3%, both of you. You did that thing. You're there. And absolutely that is the point. And that's why my stories are chaotic. That's why, you know, who you have in real life, that's also um, who you have in, on Instagram, vice versa. I could take those stories down. Yeah, I could re-record them. I could make them make sense. But uh, that's the point. I want you to see how how messy it is. And it is always that messy. It, there's rarely a moment with straight noodles in the box. Very yes. rarely. <laughs> Very rarely. Um, and I think that it's, it's again, just back to uh, to not labeling things and not putting things in boxes. Because if we did that, we would just limit ourselves so hard. You know, thinking like, my brain doesn't quite work in the normal route, so I can't do X, Y, and Z. But I think in instances like this, it's great that it doesn't work normal because you're going to think of things no one else would. Absolutely. But that's amazing. And I'm so proud of you. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of all of us. Oh, thank you. I'm proud of everyone here. <laughs> we did it. Everyone. A, lot of, a lot of pride. <laughs> we, we did, did it. it. Oh, incredible. And writing a book, we all know it's hard. And you guys have whole families and all of these you have these outside forces as well and you're trying to juggle those and that's absolutely incredible as well because you have to choose to do it you have to sit down and say I'm gonna I'm gonna carve out this time or I I don't know I'm going to write while my kids are screaming or whatever you know I'm just it's so easy to not do it 
um, there's a million and a half reasons not to do it. And so your, your why just has to be important enough and incredible. Good job, guys. I mean, <laughs> good job. <laughs> it sounds so silly, but like so incredible and so proud. And uh, Julie, I know you're going through the querying process. And Alexis, what are you doing with your two books? I'm querying. I shelved the you're first crazy. one because it was more of a heart project and it wasn't necessarily commercial. And I don't want to change it. I don't want to make it commercial. Good. So, I love that. So Incredible. I'm just, my second one is more commercial and I didn't necessarily intend to make it that way, but I'm querying it. So that's incredible. That's yes. incredible. And hopefully you get to put your heart project out in one way or another, because those are usually the ones that are the most exciting because like, again, and we love trial publishing and that's always the goal. I would love to try publish eventually, but there is a, a certain amount of a box there too. And your books have to sort of follow yep. certain guidelines and, um, and that gets really difficult uh, in the creative process. So like heart projects, I, I mean, I think they read the most incredible anyways, heart projects. Are you kidding me? You can't be a heart project. It's amazing. <laughs> that's what, that's what half the, half the books that aren't anything. And this sounds bad, but like half the books that, you know, don't make you feel how you want to feel are the ones that are being written and cranked out and there is no heart in them. And you can feel that you can, you read that it's right there. Um, and so heart projects, they're everything. They're good. They're important. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast and being so open and vulnerable. Sometimes it's not easy, especially when you know you're being recorded. So I, I thank you for your vulnerability and your openness, not just here in the podcast world, um, but in the whole Bookstagram world. I don't think there's a single person on Bookstagram who wouldn't say that you've been a voice and that you are very vital. And, and that's a lot to have on your shoulders. But you are a pivotal voice in the Bookstagram community. And I just thank you for letting us be a part of that with you and for inviting us into your community and providing a safe space for anyone, however they identify. I mean, just seriously, thank you for that. It's, it's important. It's important what you're doing. So keep it up and don't stop. Thank you. Thank you. That means the world. It's, uh, it's one of those things you don't know if you're doing the right thing, right? So you just kind of have to, it's, it's as with anything with writing too. You don't know if you're doing the right thing. You just have to keep going. And I think that as long as you're doing what feels like the right thing and keep doing that. And if you start getting pushback, then you definitely know you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Absolutely. The harder it gets within reason, the more, you know, you're doing something and you're moving That's the needle. Said. And I've been really lucky so far there. <laughs> moving the needle, <laughs> the harder it gets. Okay. Listen, <laughs> we had to have one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> How dare you? No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, absolutely. And well, and I've been lucky so far. There hasn't been a lot of that. But I also, um, if if at any point, you know, it arouses, like kind of try to to stamp it out as quick as we can. And and I feel like our community, we're very lucky. Our community is relatively good, uh, relatively inclusive, relatively sweet to everyone. But you have those random upright risings of of very odd thought processes and I don't know where they come from sometimes but they don't seem to stick around for long either and I I love it here I'm so thankful to be here with without you guys without any of you I wouldn't be here so it it means the world and it's it's I'm I may have a voice but you know if the tree falls in the in the forest you hear it it doesn't make a sound so um I'm glad people are here and I'm glad I they opened uh, their arms to me in this little community. It's been incredible. And I think it's like been the first community in which it's felt this way. So weirdly unconditional. <laughs> There's a lot of communities out there. I've been a part of a lot of them, but this one truly, I mean, at the core, everyone just wants to have a good time, wants you to have a good time, wants to support. And, um, and that's really rare, especially I think in life overall. And so Thank you to the entire community. Thank you to you guys. Thanks for having me today. And I'm so sorry it's been such chaos, but it's been great chatting with you guys. Loved it. Amazing. Loved every second of it. Yes. All right. Thank you. Peace out, lovely. We love you. That's it. All right. That's a wrap. Love Bye. Guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Wowzers. <laughs> Wowsy wow, wows. <laughs> we are on fire tonight, this evening. Thank you for joining us live. On. One might say hellfire. Hellfire. <laughs> Wowzers. Yeah. Well, that was fun. That, that was... <laughs>
That was that was incredible. That was incredible. You're right. That was incredible. And we are very giddy this evening. That was incredible and so inspiring. I the fact that she taught herself how to write in English at 13, that is bonkers to me because yeah, she has a book now, a bestseller. That's just that's crazy. That's amazing. Absolutely. And she has such a way with words and I love that she chose that because she felt like that language spoke to the stories that she wanted to tell and it just shows a level of perseverance and commitment despite like the noodles you know she's willing to work with herself and work with the noodles to get it to where it all lines up and then we get to enjoy in this I was going to say the fruit of her works, but it's more like the pasta if we're mm, talking the noodles. The pasta of her works. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, guys, don't forget, you can pre-order. No, you can't. Don't forget to add Honey to your Goodreads list or your Amazon wish list because I think it's up there now. And it's going to be releasing, I think, sometime mid to late summer. I'm pretty sure. If we don't know for sure yet, we'll post it in our show notes um, just so it's up there. We'll post a link to like pre-order and stuff. But how exciting. How exciting. It's going to be in it's my cart. It's going to be in my cart. I'm excited. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Before the Prologue. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a review. It really helps. And if you want some more behind the scenes content, follow us on Instagram at Before the Prologue Podcast. See you next time.